Welcome to the Place at the Table podcast. Big, big day. The college football playoff final rankings are out. We know who's in the playoff. And just like last Sunday, bringing on our friend George Schroeder from USA Today because nobody breaks down a chaotic situation better than George <laughs> Schroeder. Hey, George, Alabama in over Ohio State. What did you think when you saw it? You know, I, I don't know. I didn't have a favorite because I don't really care. I mean, quite frankly. And look, I say that and A, our listeners don't believe that probably because they all think we have some hidden bias for or against the team. And B, if you've been following Twitter for the last 12 hours and really before that, you saw a lot of a lot of our colleagues sort of pushing a case for one team or the, or another, not necessarily because they have some sort of a, a bias for them or against them. Maybe Everybody they just had a strong reasons. Right. Everybody has their own reasons. But uh, I got to tell you, neither team has a compelling case to be in the playoff. No, but other they have than, to pick four. Other than who are, right. Other than who else, who's the next team you put in there. And, and there was, you know, I mean, I guess you could have considered USC. It's pretty clear um, that the committee, and we haven't seen the full rankings as we speak, but it's clear the committee did not have USC in their top seven. Um, so that, you know, that's maybe the only other team you could have really considered. Uh, and so... I just, I just kind of thought, well, yeah, okay. So we got the first time. It's, it's ironic that the first time we have a league getting two teams into the playoff is a year when that, that league, which we all assumed would probably be the SEC, is as bad below its top three teams as, it, as it's been, maybe with the exception of last year. And, and yet, you know, okay, Alabama gets in the playoff. We'll see what they can do. Maybe they'll be a different team than they were in November if they get a little healthy. Um, you know, so I, I guess I was okay. I would have really been conflicted probably had Ohio State gotten in just because it's hard to overcome that loss to Iowa, which, and it's not even so much the loss to Iowa as that was indicative of just how bad they could be at times in the year. I mean, we saw how good they could be at times, but they were so meteoric. Where if Alabama's a notch or three below what it's been recently, and I think it is, even if it gets healthy, it's not what it was, say, a year ago or two or three years ago. Um, at least you know what you're getting with Alabama, and you know they're going to be consistent and solid and have a shot to win. I, and so I guess that's kind of where I come down on it. So I don't have strong feelings either way. What did you think? I mean, were you A, surprised? B, did you think it was the right move? I, so I didn't know what they were going to do because I didn't know if they were going to put in the four best teams or the four most deserving based on resume because there's a difference. And the first three, it all dovetails. Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia are the best and have the best resumes. But Ohio State has better, better, better best wins than, than Alabama does. Uh, it has a conference championship, all that stuff. And I wondered, right. will Ohio State get the benefit of the doubt because of that, because the committee members are carrying out some sort of charge from the commissioners who created the playoff? Because remember, when they created this playoff, they, they inserted these guidelines of, and, and remember, they're not orders. They're just recommendations. Consider a conference championship, all that good stuff. And so I did wonder, will they do that? Because that would make the commissioners happy. Ohio State would have made the commissioners happy. Alabama <clears throat> is the team that is more likely to have a chance to beat Clemson. The, the way, here's, here's why I thought Alabama should probably get in. And why, ultimately, I realized if the committee goes for best, they're going to pick Alabama. This is why. Because I was going over how my workflow is going to go 
on the first. So I'll be covering the Sugar Bowl. You know, right, we, I and I'll be at Bruce, the Rose Bowl. Right, I work with Bruce so. Feldman at Sports Illustrated. He's based in Los Angeles, so he's going to be at the Rose Bowl. I will be at the Sugar Bowl. With Clemson number one, I knew I was going to get the one four matchup in the Sugar Bowl because Clemson's closer to New Orleans. So I was thinking, which of these two teams is more likely to allow me to have my story written by the end of the second quarter? <laughs> right. And the truth is, it's Ohio State. <laughs> Clemson would be blowing out Ohio State by the end of the second quarter, and my story would be written. Alabama, not so sure. I still think Clemson's better than Alabama, but I could see Alabama playing a really close game against Clemson and possibly even beating Clemson. And that is the difference. At the end of the day, who's better? Who has a better chance to hang with Clemson if you were to put the two teams you're trying to decide between Alabama and Ohio State on the same field? Who would win the game? I think most people would say Alabama. And that's why you pick Alabama. You know what? I don't have a problem with that. And, and I think that's fine. I think Clemson beats either one of them. Oh, I agree. I, I, think, Alabama, I think Alabama will make it a better game than, than, than Ohio State would have, even the if the good Buckeye showed up rather than the evil twin. But um, I, you did say something just now that was that was really interesting. It was all interesting. But, I mean, just I'm going to hone in on this one point. Just that one it's not like every, Right. It's not like everything else is boring. Um, but – you mentioned the thirty-one nothing loss last year in the Fiesta Bowl semifinal. I actually by, didn't. Uh, I actually didn't mention it. You subliminally grabbed yeah. it, and that's okay. that's something I I just wrote about but that column I just piece filed. Of all of that. That's yep. a piece of all of this in both with the committee for Alabama and against Ohio State. There's a, so many fascinating pieces to this because they're trying to only do it based on this year, mm-hmm. but it's the two biggest brands of the last X years in college football, probably. And Clemson fans will be unhappy with me for that because they certainly deserve to be a part of that. But I mean, two traditional, you know, a hundred year traditional powers had been at the top, at or near the top of their game for, for a long time or, you know, for recent years. And the committee has given Ohio state the benefit of the doubt a couple of times and didn't one year, by the way, when they were in a similar situation in 2015 uh, as Alabama, Right, and, and what's division. interesting is, had that Ohio State team gotten in over the Michigan State team that beat that beat, oh, it, yeah. that Ohio State team could have won the whole thing. Could have won. Right. Could have beaten Alabama. Won. Could have could have won the playoff. Right now, and, and by the way, I don't think that about this Alabama team, and I'm sure the Alabama fans will be mad, and, and maybe maybe the tie will prove me wrong. That said, that's just a prediction. They're going to get a chance to play for it. But what's interesting is to me is, I think at least subliminally, there's all sorts of things going on in the committee's head from past years, including Ohio State got in last year. Uh, it was a, it was kind of a, a you know, it, there was a good case to be made going into the playoff that they should be in, and they, and they were in. And what ended up happening was their conference champion, the team that beat them, Penn State, was out. And then they laid an egg or just got drilled or however you want to put it by Clemson. And then on the other hand, you've got Alabama, which quite frankly – in November, when it finally hit sort of what you could call is the stiffer portion of its schedule, although only Auburn was really, really good, didn't look like the Alabama teams of years past. Now, they were a little bit banged up or whatever, but um, I think that Alabama is getting a little bit of credit for 2009 through 2016 Alabama. Oh, and I, I don't have a problem with that. They let me, built let me add up. one thing to that. What yeah. if number one is not Clemson? How different do we view Ohio State in that lens? When it's not a game against Clemson that we're talking about. 
That's a, I mean, that's a really good question because I, yeah, I don't know what kind of discussion they have in the room. I mean, we know what kind of discussion they have, but we don't know what the discussion was. You and I both have done the mock selection. But, but we know um, Clemson, we know that they knew Clemson was the number one seed already. They right. knew that they were picking the team that played Clemson. Well, they had their top, the, the way the thing works, and we don't want to get too deep into it, is, is you end up with your top three in the very first vote. And then you put the next, because you voted out of six teams and you came up with your top three. That three teams that didn't make the top three gets put into a pool with the next three teams. And then you end up coming, that's how you come up with your four, five, and six. So number, so you're right. They knew one, two, and three when they, when they then spent some time on who's four. And look, we could have all figured that out too, right? But that, that wasn't that hard to figure out. It was going to be Clemson. And then, you know, whether it was Oklahoma or Georgia, two and three didn't really matter. It's just a color of uniform. One but thing you're one right. Thing I was, so I was go, curious go about was yeah. something Kirby Hocutt said. He said that they, they did this last night and then challenged themselves again this morning, which leads me to believe that Alabama was a fairly easy number four last night. And they went back and said, wait a second, we got to try this again. Are we, are we really saying this? Because I remember when I did mock selection, that was the biggest thing for me. When we had done the top four, because I was, I yeah, was, was playing so the fast. chair. Yeah, I was playing the yeah. chair, and I go, I actually said, did we just pick the whole playoff? And everybody in the room looks up at the screen, and they're like, oh, crap, we just did. Yep. And so yep. we, we immediately decided, let's do it all over again. Because it was like, wait, that's it? It was, it was, yeah, it happens so fast. And so, I, and I think they should do that. Hey, you know, one of the things that we're going to hear from Ohio State side, and we're going to hear a lot of stuff from both sides, but is, is Kirby Hocutt a week ago said that five, four through, what was it he said? Four through eight or whatever, they were really, really close. Something to that effect. And then suddenly what happened in the interim is Alabama sat at home and didn't play and Ohio State went and won a conference championship against your previous number four team, um, Wisconsin. And so suddenly Alabama's unequivocally better to not have conference championships and things like that, you know, factor into, you know, a tie-breaking type situation. So you went out and played a game and won a conference title over the number four team and, and suddenly the other team's unequivocally better. I mean, how does that work? Well, here's my answer. Never, ever, ever pay any attention to what the committee chairman says. Exactly. Uh, certainly, certainly in the case of these preliminary rankings, because they just say they just rank them and then they come up with stuff to say about why they ranked them. Right. And sometimes it's legitimately what happened. And other times it's just we got to say something to get through this Tuesday night. Exactly. And, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, they're just picking who they think is better. Exactly. It's a subjective exactly. deal. But, but here's the other part of it, and I was talking to, to Tom Luganville from ESPN about this. Uh, you could go and do the computers. You could do the, the poll votes. You would get the same four teams, no matter how, how you did it. Almost no, every you're time. Exactly, that's, you're, you're exactly right. And that's not always the right way to go about it, but it is interesting that that's how it works. And you know what? If you really – and somebody on Twitter – and was trying to argue with me about some point I actually hadn't made, but but made kind of an interesting observation, which was if you go back and look, and I and I haven't checked this out, but I think it'd be interesting to check out. In the first four years now of the playoff, uh, where we've had the final rankings now four years in a row that seeded the playoff, they would have matched the BCS rankings. I don't think that's correct, 
this year. And I think it's skewed a little bit by two things. One, I actually think the AP poll voters have changed how they vote because of the playoff. As they've seen what the playoff committee is doing each week, they've changed how they vote and they've changed their approach and philosophy to voting. I actually think in the BCS era, UCF might have might have gotten a shot this year I think because they were unbeaten. May, maybe on that, but also <clears throat> I think Penn State would have finished ahead of Ohio State last year. Right, but agreed. That's, but that's really about it. It's still we're an talking interesting pretty thing. Minor differences. Right. The 13 people in a room who, look, they really do watch more football than the rest of us do. And you and I watch a ton of football, and so do our colleagues. But we do it with a different eye. They, they watch a ton of football every week. They're smart people. They work really hard at doing it the right way. And they may get it wrong, but it's, but it's, you know, but it's not for lack of trying. All that said, um, they end up coming up with a similar, similar to what everybody else has most of the time. So let me ask you this. I, I, I remember back in 2011 when Oklahoma State was left out of the BCS title game in favor of Alabama, which had lost to LSU. LSU had put together the, the most impressive resume of the BCS <coughs> era. And you know, Oklahoma State loses to Iowa State. Alabama gets put in despite not winning its own division. And I remember going up to New York because that's what all the power brokers in college football go to New York the week after the season ends uh, for the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame dinner. And they usually have conference meetings among their ADs at these times because everybody's in the same hotel. So right. all the conferences were meeting that day. And I remember being in the lobby of the Waldorf Astoria talking to people, and I get a you know, kind of a tap on the shoulder from somebody from the Big 12 who says, listen, we're having a reception upstairs. You need to, you need to get up there. And I went up there and just sort of, moved around the room and everybody I talked to told me off the record that the ADs had met that day and had a straw poll and they decided they were going to support a four-team playoff. Well, you didn't have to be a math major to figure out what that meant. The ACC and the SEC had already argued for one. If the Big 12 was going to get behind one, then the BCS was dead and there was right. going to be a four-team playoff. So this is, this is the type of thing that ticks them off enough to do something. Do you think they'll make any changes based on this? No, and I'll tell you, you know, I'll give you two reasons why. Um, one, I think this was sort of provided for, they sort of made this point when they called it four best teams. And whether or not you think they got the four best teams, and that's quote unquote, um, whether or not you think they got the four best teams, they've given, they have the cover to do what they did. And I think that, I don't think this does it. I don't think there's going to be enough outrage. Is the Big Ten really mad? Sure. But all Ohio State had to do was not not lose to uh, Iowa by 31. I mean, I really think had they lost by 14 on the road at Iowa, they'd be in today. Um, is the is is the Pac-12 angry? I don't know if they are or not. It's hard to, it's hard to tell, but USC apparently never had a realistic shot. And here's the other reason. I think this is the more important reason. This is just predictive, and I may be dead wrong, and, and you and I might do this podcast in January and you play this clip and I'm going to, and I'll eat, eat crow. I'm, you know, I, I don't think I have to eat a hat. Uh, Apparently like I don't either. Have John Gruden's not going to Tennessee. Right. Exactly. But, um, the way that the impetus for change will be, if there's an all sec final, which is what happened, obviously in the BCS, you have them in opposite semifinals. So they obviously could, you could see Georgia, Alabama, but I'm not only going to predict a not a not, 
it's not going to be an all SEC final. I don't think there's going to be an SEC team in the final. Ooh, bold. That's that's bold Rose no. Bowl prediction from George Schroeder. Yeah, well, I mean, Oklahoma opened as a slight favorite. I don't really care much about betting lines. That could go back and forth as time goes on, but um, you know, but I think Clemson's better than Alabama. I know Alabama actually opened as a betting favorite over Clemson. I, okay, however you want to go there. I, I don't know yeah, what you I, think, but I, I think I that's hard, crazy. I got a hard time picking Alabama against Clemson right now. <laughs> yeah. oh, Georgia yeah, you and Oklahoma pick, feels like more of a pick to me. You want, to, you want to pick Georgia over Oklahoma? I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying we're more likely to have no SEC teams in the final than we are to have two SEC teams in the final, just based on the matchups. Well, so – I, you know, but you know what? Even if there are two SEC teams in the final, I don't know. Does that mean that the day after that, the similar scenario is going to play out? I don't think so, but maybe. Well, when I when I say make changes, though, I don't necessarily mean to expand it. To expand the playoff, do they you require mean, conference champions? Do they change that from they, a recommendation to a requirement? Well, they could do that. I, I suppose, don't think they'd have but, the votes, but. I don't think they would have the votes either because I don't know that the Pac-12 is fired up enough at this point. And uh, I don't know if the – look, I'm sure Jim Delaney is very unhappy today and thinks that, that, that they got it completely wrong. Uh, but does he is he going to be able to get – you know, you need – look, the other, the other five conferences don't matter. So obviously there's ten conference commissioners here and, and – uh, Jack Swarbrick has a vote for Notre Dame, but it doesn't, that doesn't count as much either. Can he get the Pac-12 and say the Big 12 to go along or John Swafford to go along? It's hard for me to see that. Well, the ACC um, moves talk- in lockstep with the SEC. Notre Dame right. moves in lockstep with the ACC and has no interest in anything that would require Notre Dame to join a conference in football, and that would. So, Well, that's right. If you required a conference champion – if you added that, you would have to sort of you would have to carve have a carve out for Notre Dame. They wouldn't one do it. They just make out. them join the ACC in football. It, they, that would just well, force. Them well, then your the answer you're answering your old question, own question. I didn't really think they would do that because yeah. if you were going to have conference champions only, you would have maybe had the impetus to actually do it when you were creating the playoff because you were agreeing to create the playoff, and there was a giant battle between Jim Delaney and Mike Slide, who was the SEC commissioner at the time about four best teams or conference champions. And it was already set that way. So I don't know that this, let me just put it this way. If you had a conference go on a run of a couple of teams a year and you have three leagues getting shut out every year, then maybe, but not after the first year of it yeah. happening. I don't think that's, that's How's the that? other thing I think is the sample size is still way too small across the board, but we've had different things happening that break precedent every year. I mean, obviously it's, when you say break precedent, it's only the fourth year. But, you know, a year ago, we had the first non-champion get in, and its own champion didn't get in, Ohio State getting right. in over Penn State. Um, this year, we have the second non-champion get in, and we have uh, two teams from one league getting in, which means, you know, three leagues are out. Uh, I'm sorry. Help me out here. But two leagues are out. Three, but, three leagues but have now what, been left out total. Two leagues right. left out this year but here's what we here's what we almost had was the first two loss team mm-hmm. had it been ohio state it would have been a new precedent too because See, it would have been the first two loss team didn't t- and that'll happen i mean there, there's gonna be a playoff where there's two two well, loss teams it'll be two that would have happened again. if yeah if auburn had beaten georgia it yeah. would have happened so i, I don't know, think so. that one's gonna tick anybody off nearly as much there's just but because it's the sec 
If, if Penn State and Ohio State got in last year, I don't think there would have been nearly the kind of outcry there will be this year because two SEC teams got in, and especially with one of them being Alabama. Well, it, and especially, by the way, when it's clear to everybody outside the SEC bubble that that the league itself is not what it has been in the past overall. It's not that gauntlet that it used to be. That said, that does not mean that the three teams at the top of the league are not really, really good. They right. are. Right. But, and the Big Ten, when, remember the Big Ten had no non-conference wins against ranked teams this year. Right. That, that's right. that's so the other piece may, of this. Is the Big Ten is not as good this year as it has been in the past Right, as, as it was a year ago. That's right. So – it, yeah, but the SEC has its own special brand of, of people who don't like them. Yes. And, and it's in part and it's own because special the, brand of smugness. Well, that's right. That's, why, that's one of the reasons people don't like them, is it is a special brand of smugness. And by the way, G- Georgia basically is the first team that sort of gives you – I mean, it's been – this whole SEC smug thing over the last few years has essentially been Alabama's really good and we're going to pretend like we're like Alabama. Right. That's what it's been. So the fact that Georgia's in and is a higher seed – and Alabama sort of had to win this sort of argument with, with Ohio State to sort of make their less than compelling case to get in. And like I said, neither of them had a compelling case to get in. That's actually good, great news for the league. Oh, yeah. And, and I that, think that Georgia is the one yeah, that was the no doubt Yeah, and I think the, the, way, the way Jake Fromm and the way Georgia's offensive line played yesterday against Auburn, against a great Auburn front four, I think that gives you confidence that Georgia can play toe-to-toe with any of the other teams in this playoff. It, it, and it's this is interesting because it doesn't feel like there's any team that's a because in in the previous playoffs you've seen matchups where you're like mm, this one may be just a, a bad matchup you know and that whole styles make fights thing uh, where one just does not match up well with the other but I feel like everybody matches up pretty well in this thing. Yeah, look, Clemson's defense is unbelievably good. Um, I would not have felt that way if Ohio State had made it. By the way, no, I don't disagree with that. It, it's uh, Clemson defense is really really good. It's it's uh, it's the you know it's it's a tremendous defense, uh, but its offense is not what it was a year ago. It's Kelly Bryant's done a nice job, but it's, and he's by the Deshaun Watson's not the only playmaker they lost. They lost Mike a Williams. bunch of guys yeah. on offense. Yeah, he was Wayne fairly Gallman, good. Wayne yeah. Gallman was fairly good. Um, their offense is just you know they Clemson resembles Alabama of last year. Yeah, more than they resemble Clemson of last year. Um, so to me, that means, yeah, they're the favorite to win the whole thing. They're certainly the favorite to win the semifinal, but they're the kind of team that a team like Alabama can hang around with. And if they, they get a couple breaks, they win the game. Yeah. That's what they are. And I then can, I can spin a scenario where any of these four win it. Oklahoma, Georgia is, is, is fantastic to me because you have the defense that you talked about with Georgia. Obviously they have the run game and, and from did a nice job yesterday. Um, you know, th- this will be that'll be interesting, but it's going to be Georgia's defense versus you know the best offense. I think it's the best offense in the country, um, and this, he's Baker Mayfield is this year's most dynamic playmaker. You know, lo- love him or hate the guy, he's he can definitely uh, he he alters that team. So that's a that's a, that's probably the matchup I'm looking forward to the most, just because I think it'll be such a clash of opposites. A really good defense from Georgia, a really good offense from Oklahoma. Who wins? Sometimes and, it's the defense, but you know sometimes it's not. And, Neither and one of them has seen anything like the other. The one thing that makes this Oklahoma team different from Big Twelve champs of the past is its offensive line, because Oklahoma's offensive lines previous, like two years ago, they couldn't block Clemson. 
this offensive line should be able to block Georgia most of the time. Right. You know, now I I I don't think Georgia's offensive line is going to struggle with Oklahoma's defensive line at all, and that's that's a bit of a difference from what Georgia's been seeing of late. You know, Georgia's had to play Auburn twice in the past month. Uh, yeah, and I don't and, and, I don't and Oklahoma's D line it doesn't even come close to Auburn's. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. Oklahoma's defense is is the is is suspect and has been all year, and its defensive line is not exactly formidable. So I I, I agree with that. The one thing I would say, I would caution people about is acting like Georgia's just going to roll up fifty on Oklahoma. Is this Georgia doesn't play the kind of offense that is going that they may control the ball and score some points and beat Oklahoma that way because they keep Oklahoma's offense off the field because they the defense can't get off the field. But what Oklahoma's defense has, when they've really struggled, it's been against those teams that that throw the ball all over the place on you it's it's you know that that to me is is a a slight difference when they've stepped out of conference um against say ohio state which had a tremendous defensive front you know they kind of had their way with them i I, look georgia's better than ohio state i think Mm -hmm. we we've already covered that no but but ohio state's d line is 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 pretty comparable really really good and so you know i mean What's going to happen? I don't know. I just think it's tremendous. It, it's going to be so much fun because they're so different in how they go about things and, and what their strengths are. So, um, you know, uh, I, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Georgia's offense does against an Oklahoma defense that's been suspect. What Oklahoma's offense, which has been really, really good, does against a Georgia defense that is really, really good. And that that's the game I'm looking forward to most. Coincidentally, it's the one I'm you know, pre-selected to cover the Rose Bowl, so I'm okay mm-hmm. that that's the matchup. Pre-selected to hang out on the beach and yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I'll be whatever, 25 miles from the beach. I, I, at LA I feel Live. like you're going to be roller skating down the the Venice Beach uh, sidewalk and and you know, just hanging with with the more colorful characters. I, I can see you being like Fletch a little bit. Although I think Fletch was Fletch was Manhattan Beach, wasn't it? Um. I think it was Manhattan Beach. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'll be at Manhattan Beach. Or was that Venice Beach that he was on? He may have I don't been, really know. It may have been Venice Beach. I, you're, you and Venice Beach would not go well together. Not not your scene. No, it's certainly not my scene. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure the beach is really my scene. I, as do far as enjoy I the, haven't found my the, scene. The basketball court on Venice Beach that was in White Man Can't Jump, though. I, I always want to get out there and, and, and try to make a three-quarter court shot there. But... Yeah, well, uh, I've never been out there, but uh, other than just to watch it. But my favorite part about Venice Beach is, is watching the guys lifting weights on the beach. <laughs> exactly, muscle beach. I, I don't, right, I don't want to watch it for too long, but I mean, it's like, okay. Well, the, the best part so is this, they this, never left the 80s. The 80s left them, but they never left. No, it's, it's tremendous. It's, it takes a special, boy, you know, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but it, it the idea that okay, not only not only am I going to go lift weights all the time, and look, I, I know a lot of guys who go lift weights and stuff like that. I'm a guy who hops on a treadmill and goes and runs, okay. But not only am I going to do that, and that's going to be a thing for me. But I'm going to go do it on the beach in front of everybody, every public, <laughs> and that that's going to be how I do it. I'm not just going to go to the you know the neighborhood gym, and, yeah, and and do it. I'm gonna I'm doing it on the beach. <laughs> that that's just a and I, I mean. I think the psychology of those guys would be fascinating to delve into. Absolutely. Now, meanwhile, I'm going to New Orleans. I will, at this point, 
next month I will weigh about 700 pounds. I think that's <laughs> that's a, a sure thing because there, so, there's there's too much, too much good stuff now. I will tell you, one of the first stops I will make because the, the Meaty Hotel in, in New Orleans is near the Warehouse District. And so I will be headed down Chapatulas to uh, to Cochon Butcher for the pork belly sandwich, which is probably my favorite sandwich on earth. Oh um, man, I'm gonna have a lot of those that week. I, I wish I could, wish I could go with you. That's that's one of my favorite places too. Uh, I'm happy to be where I am. So uh, last night on the field after Clemson wins in Charlotte the uh, ACC title game, Dexter Lawrence, a 340 pound defensive lineman, somebody asked him. Looks like you're going to the Sugar Bowl. What what is it? What are the first things come to your mind? He goes, he goes those little donuts, man. I don't know what you call them. Those little donuts. And somebody said beignets. He goes, yeah, beignets. I'm gonna have me a lot of those. Dexter Lawrence at Cafe Du Monde. He will would be, be 380. The most beautiful thing in the whole. World. Like I, I just it would make me so happy if we did some sort of video segment for SI where I interview Dexter Lawrence at Cafe Du Monde, and there's just like a a four foot high pile of beignets. And we just go, because the, the beignets at Cafe du Monde are unbelievable. Now, they have way too much powdered sugar on them. I, I am probably the only person in the history of the newspaper business who actually had to uh, have his laptop repaired by the paper because he got powdered sugar in the, in, inside the keys from Cafe du Monde. Oh, man. It, it, that That's... happened when I was working for the Tampa Tribune. <laughs> but they, they do put way too much. you got to dump off the powdered sugar. Just to, like draw, you know, take it in your hand and shake it off. And then, then eat. But it, it is a wonderful, wonderful place. And just imagining how happy Dexter Lawrence would be sitting down to a pile of those beignets just makes me smile to think about. It. Well, it's funny about that whole deal is, is so one of the things that's happened with the playoff has been, uh, obviously, the, the championship game itself is sort of like a quick in and out for these guys. Mm-hmm. They, they show up business about trip. a day and a half. Yeah. yeah, day and a half earlier than they would on a regular road game. But, but basically, it's a business trip. Um, there are no real bowl duties for them. There's just a, a media day. That's the only real difference where they all have to show up and talk to them to the media. But the bowls themselves, the two semis each year are are like a one day. Cut, they're cut down by maybe a day in terms of what they used to be in terms of time on site. But they're still essentially bowl games. Now, they've cut out a couple of things, maybe some of the things that they would have had to do the extracurricular stuff. They're still bowl games. And so what's interesting about that is Clemson's going to the Sugar Bowl to try to beat Alabama to then go to the title game and try to win another national championship. But they're going to the Sugar Bowl, and guys like Dexter Lawrence, they still love the fact that they're going to a bowl game, and whatever it is at that bowl game that you do, at that, that that's you know the local thing to do, they get juiced about it. It's kind of funny how that still is a thing. Well, I, I, so I do have experience at the Sugar Bowl as a member of one of the teams. And right. The most amazing – see, nobody, tell, nobody tells the walk-ons anything when they're freshmen, so you don't know what's going on. And so I didn't know anything about per diem. You get per diem when you're at a bowl game. They give you money to pay for meals uh, because you're, you're not home and you're, you're basically on a trip for the school. So they hand me this envelope full of cash when I get to New Orleans. And I was like, oh, great. What am I going to do with this? And then I thought, you know what? I could buy books with this in the spring. So I'm going to spend as little as this is possible. And so like my teammates were taking cabs out to Ruth's Chris after practice. Who I was going to the Popeyes on Canal Street. Who are you? You bought. You were going to buy books with it. That's I did. tremendous. Well, I'm a cheapskate at heart. So I, but but I spent mo- most of my meals that week that were not provided by the team were at the Popeyes on Canal Street. 
which I almost killed myself in the first night because so when when we got there, practice was in the Superdome, the first practice. And so Florida gave us all these these new turf shoes. And they look like moon boots. They're hideously ugly. But I'm like, these are sweet because I didn't pay for them. And so I knew I didn't have to use the turf shoes again because I wasn't going to be playing in the game. Uh, And I'd be wearing cleats when we practice out at the Saints facility the next few days. So I took them back to the hotel with me. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to wear the turf shoes out because, you know, that's cool. And people will know I'm I'm with Florida. And um, (laughs) so, but the thing is, the turf shoes were made for real AstroTurf, which is basically like concrete. Right. But it has some grip to it. So the shoes have no grip whatsoever. And they actually have these little bubbles, these little round bubbles that are supposed to dig into the, the AstroTurf. And... They're not designed to walk across a, a Popeye's floor covered in grease. So I was oh, on no. roller skates when I walked into Popeye's. I was lucky I didn't get a concussion. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's Andy Staples at the Sugar Bowl as a player. Flo, Flo, Florida walk-on sent home after sustaining concussion slipping at Popeye's. That would have been the story. That would have been the story oh. of the Sugar Bowl. So. That would have been tremendous. Uh, that's a little bit different than what you typically worry about as a uh, as a coach with your players right. in New Orleans. They're a little more worried about the fights and right. uh, the the Bourbon Street and all that good stuff. And it, there's there's that too, by the way. But uh, yeah, now it's 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 an interesting environment down there. They they keep it much more controlled now. And I imagine that that Dabo and Nick Saban, having been through this before, understand. And here's the thing. All that complaining aside, and there will be lots of complaining that Alabama was put in over Ohio State, there's going to be an Alabama-Clemson 3. Alabama-Clemson 1 and 2 were so good, it's kind of hard not to get excited about them playing again in the playoff. Right. I don't anticipate this one will live up to those, but, but you know, maybe it will. Um, maybe it will. Look, it's appropriate in this. I mean, look, this is supposed to be about this year and this year only. But between Alabama and Clemson and then the next team would be Ohio State, mm-hmm. that's the three teams that have dominated yes. the recent the era of era. college football. Right. And Clemson is the one that has sort of surged lately. Um, probably should have won the national championship two years ago, was the better team Alabama won. I think Alabama was a better team last year and Clemson won, so it worked out okay. But they've been in two two consecutive finals. As the number one seed, you'd have to make them your favorite to be in the. And obviously, the odds makers aren't, but to be in the final again this year and maybe win it again. And then you've got Alabama, which is on a run that's unprecedented in college football history in terms of what they pulled off with national championships. So from that standpoint, it's pretty cool that we have the two best programs in college football squaring off again. I don't disagree with you there. All right. Well, we'll have plenty of time to break down these games. You and I have to go to New York and and try to glean information out of these folks as they try to get away from us in hotel lobbies. I, I can't exactly. wait, personally. So, I will see you in the big city. And playoff set. Done. Our work here Amazing. is done, George. I'm, it's amazing. I'm really surprised that uh, the year's gone so fast, but Hey, you know what we got? This is a pretty cool playoff. You know? That's exactly right. 
I don't know if they got it right. I don't know if they got it wrong. I know, I know what they've got is going to be real, is going to be compelling. So that's good. All right. Thank you so much for joining George. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you again later in the week.